It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. I'm excited to talk with my guest today. Joining me is Stephen Dar. Stephen is the founder of Conversions for Good, a company that works with conscious companies, those that have a mission to make money and make a difference in the world. He's also the author of a great little book called Profit Hacking, a guide to how to get more traffic to your website, how to convert more of your traffic into leads and or sales, how to maximize the lifetime customer value of your conversions. We're going to talk about uh, some and all of those. So, Stephen, welcome to the show. Thanks, Andy. I'm really excited to be a part of your podcast. Well, great. Well, thanks for joining us. So take a minute to introduce yourself. Uh, maybe tell us a little bit about your journey in business. Yeah. Well, you did a, a great job introducing me. As you mentioned, my company's Conversion for Good. We do A-B testing and conversion optimization, and mostly for companies that have a mission, a purpose. They're trying to make the world a better place in addition to earning a profit. So give us an example of companies you work with. So the most classic example that everyone knows, and to be clear, they are not a client, but Tom's Shoes, where every pair of shoes they sell, sure. they don't one. But clients I've worked with, clients like Sleeping Baby, they were a Shark Tank company, and with every one of their swaddle transition blankets they sold, they had a donation fund that they would do give to families that were in need, uh, families with young children, babies. Uh, Mission Belt, another Shark Tank company, actually, every belt they sold, they had a dollar donated to impoverished families that were hungry. Um, but it's not always buy one, give one, or donation-based companies. I've worked with companies that they provide clean water in third world countries, or for every product they sell, they clean up a square foot of ocean, uh, clear it of trash and debris. So those are the types of companies that I'm mostly work, looking to work with. You think of the ocean, you'd have to clean up a cubic foot. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a joke. Okay. <laughs> so, so, no, they're um, very impressive. They did square feet. <laughs> yeah, they did square feet. Just on the surface. So right. <laughs> what's a swaddle transition blanket? So, um, I mean, I've had kids, and, but it's been a while, so maybe I'm, I don't know the latest technology. And I have zero kids, so I'm. But I spend a lot of time looking at their website and reading their stuff. So a swaddle is, it's you wrap your baby up almost like a little burrito. Yeah, so they can't scratch their face or so on, right? Yeah, and I think it's supposed to almost simulate the experience of like being in the womb. So it's like really calming and helps them fall asleep faster. But then it's also the the way that it's stitched and made. You can have it just be a regular blanket as well. Interesting. Okay. Good. Have to write that down for when, when in the future, when grandkids come. Um, all right. So you work for companies that have yeah a mission, which I think is is great. Um, are there many of those? So not every single one of my clients fits that bill. Some of my clients, they are just standard for-profit companies or even nonprofits too, charities. I've worked with, and the really my criteria is if they don't have that built-in part of their business model where they're doing something good 
as direct operations. Mm-hmm. I know that the the entrepreneur, the team behind it, are really kind people, and that if there's more more revenue that comes to them, they're going to provide more jobs. That they're on like you know in their private life, they they donate, or they're just going to be positive externalities from more resources coming to them. Okay. Sounds great. So let's talk a little bit about profit hacking. How did you decide to write that book? So <laughs> I, I love this quote. I, I heard it from Justine Musk, who is a writer, and she is Elon Musk's ex-wife. Okay. She said that reading is the inhale and writing is the exhale. And I read a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> at, my, at my peak, I was doing a little bit more than a book a week. Yeah. And very focused on marketing, sales, business, entrepreneurship, and lots of digital side of marketing. And so I was growing this huge knowledge base. And whenever I read, I pretty much always read physical paperback or hard copies. I've got a pen in hand and I'm making notes and annotations and stars and by the time I'm done with a book, I've put about as much ink in it as there was when it was printed. And so I just have this library of some of the best books on the topic ever made. And I've made them more valuable through my annotation process. So I know that there's a ton of people out there who maybe are beginners or they've got a great product or service and they're really good business people and they've hustled and worked hard to, to get something off the ground but they can get to greater levels of success if they understood and had access to the, the knowledge that I've accumulated through these books. But I wanted to save people the time that it takes to read dozens, if not over a hundred of these books, as well as you know, do all the, the process of collecting all the best nuggets from each of them. And as, as you mentioned in our short conversation before we started recording, that the book is very concise. And that was intentional. I could have written a book that was 300 pages or, or longer, but I wanted to make it closer to 100 so that it would be short and, and highly focused and actionable. So it wouldn't be, people wouldn't be dissuaded from picking it up and and giving it a shot, and then hopefully, obviously, making changes to their website and their business that ends up paying dividends through the the process of reading it. Right. Well, one of the things, yeah, we talk primarily with guests that come on the show about business to business sales, though not exclusively, and yeah, you know, more of the face to face or you know inside sales to outside sales, but you know person to person type type selling. But increasingly, you know, as we see changes that are taking place in the business-to-business arena. I mean, some, uh, especially on the sales side, I mean, there's some studies out there projecting that by the year 2020, more than 20% of business-to-business sales jobs will have disappeared. Well, if that's the case, but the number of products isn't shrinking. So what's happening is, you know, more and more of the sales are going to go into the virtual world. And so I thought it really important for entrepreneurs and sales professionals and people that are, are sort of considering what might happen is, is to get more grounding in the side of the the business because, you know, it's, it's possible we're all going to need to know more about this uh, in a very near future. So what, what did you mean by profit hacking? Well, 
I, I'll definitely answer that. But to address something really quickly, even if you as the listener are someone who does B2B and a lot of your sales are face-to-face or over the phone, a lot of the principles still apply. And I didn't get too deep into it in the book, but I think the philosophy of the book that I put towards driving traffic and converting traffic online can be applied to a whole bunch of different processes in life. So the if the theory behind it is to always be testing and learning and improving and growing. So if you're running traffic to generate leads and then you're getting either in person or on the phone with leads, there's testing and, and improvements that can be made in your process of, of generating those leads and getting them to agree to a meeting. Or even in your sales calls themselves, you can test out different ways of presenting your your offer or what it is that, that you're trying to sell. Or well, yeah, I think, I mean, you you lay it out pretty clearly. Is, is testing, you know, being one of the mechanisms to to pull one of what you sort of identify as the three levers of, of the formula is online. You talk about traffic conversion or your economics, your pricing, and so on. But those same things apply in a face-to-face selling, too. I mean, you've got your, your pipeline, your close rate, and your pricing. I mean, those are the three levers that are really going to dictate uh, your ability to, to increase your sales. Totally. And yeah. so then to answer the question about what do I mean by profit hacking? So there's a term that's growing in popularity in online marketing called growth hacking. And there are a lot of the success of a lot of SaaS businesses, uh, software as a service businesses like Dropbox or Spotify or Groove. Mm-hmm. They, they attribute growth hacks to a lot of their success. And growth hacking is kind of the mix between marketing and engineering or web development. So they are baking marketing into basically the development of their products and their sites. And so it's it's kind of like um, one of the fathers of growth hacking, he says the true north of a growth hacker is growth. And so I wanted to write a book where it was focused on profit increases. That was the true north. Like the book was engineered on here are the three levers that you can pull to increase your profit. Here's how they work together. Here's where you really have a lot more leverage. And this might be a new way of thinking about it for your business or your website that can get you to your goals faster. Okay. So uh, let's talk about the, you said you talk about, you know, mastery comes from focusing on a small number of, of key tasks. So Let's describe your formulas. What is the what is the the what are excuse me the three elements? So the first element is traffic. You need to have visitors come to your website. The second element is conversion, converting a visitor into a lead or a sale or a subscriber or whatever the goal of that particular page or site is. And then the third is economics or lifetime customer value or monetization, whatever you want to call it. So that once you convert a stranger into a lead or a sale, how are you then able to keep them around for a long time, continue to serve them, continue to provide solutions to them, allow them to become sources of referrals for you or brand advocates that end up turning one sale into into many. 
Right. And as we talked about before, I mean, the, we could analogize this to regular business business sales. Traffic is your pipeline. Uh, conversion is conversion. You know, how do you convert a higher percentage of your prospects, qualified prospects or qualified opportunities into customers and economics is, yeah, how do you maximize the lifetime customer value of this relationship that you've built? Yeah, it's basically a perfect parallel. All right. So you have these three elements. Is, is Can you really manipulate them all at the same time or do you just have to work at one at a time? So, I mean, sure, you could do all three at a time, um, it, but there's depend depends on the constraints of your reality. Or what size of your team do you have? What are your resources? But really, the one of the arguments that I make in the book is to every couple months, and ideally it would be shorter time periods. But I wanted to be realistic for people to take a snapshot in time of where you're at now. Okay, how many visitors did I get or how many you know, outbound calls did I make or whatever it is that your traffic source is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what was the conversion rate over the last couple months? How many of them turned into leads or sales? And then how good of a job are we doing at, at monetizing and, and increasing lifetime customer value? So there's you know the old cliche that there's you're only as strong as your weakest link. So if you look at the three and say, all right, this is the one of the three that's really dragging us down, it's the bottleneck, that's really where you probably want to put some focus on. Um, and so it depends on your individual situation for where you want to put more of your focus and energy and resources towards. But as a general blanket statement, there usually is more leverage in improving your conversion rate and in improving your economics. And one of the main reasons why is because the better you are at converting a lead or converting traffic into a customer or client, and the more profitable a customer or client is to you, the easier it is to get traffic. Uh, you're more able to pay for a click or for a visitor, or you're maybe able to hire people to do a bunch of prospecting or lead generation for you, or you know buying leads or wherever it is that you can get access to people that are qualified or potentially qualified leads for what it is that you're offering. Um, the higher, it, it's interesting. One of my marketing mentors is this guy named Dan Kennedy, mm-hmm. famous in the direct Very marketing famous, space. Right. And, uh, he said, he who can afford to spend the most for a customer will win. And it didn't make sense to me the first time I heard that when I was 23, but it made sense a little bit later. Um, cause I always was thinking, well, shouldn't you want to be able to spend the least and be the most efficient? But it then made sense that if you can spend more than your competitors, you have a huge advantage. But then, of course, you can work and test and try and improve. And obviously, you want to whittle down your cost per acquisition. But the fact that you have that wiggle room to play in, if you are just so good at converting and so good at creating profit on the back end, then you're taking a lot of pressure off of the first steps in the process. um, And you're able to test out new ways of bringing people in. You can afford to 
try new sources of getting the the traffic or the leads in um, because you're not necessarily dependent on having to knock it out of the park by having really good um, you know conversion numbers to keep everything floating right right well let's I'm gonna take a short break we're gonna come back and, and talk more about this and we're gonna get into a specific uh, math simple math example to sort of illustrate some of the points you you talk about because I think there's another point in here that, that I think it's important to draw out applicable both to online and the uh, face-to-face selling. So be right back with my guest, Stephen Dar. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly a thousand companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. Welcome back. We're talking with my guest today, Stephen Dar. We're talking about profit hacking, and book his book of the title, as well as the process that he talks about in the book. So you give an example of... A simple math example, somebody's got 20,000 visitors a month to their website, they've got 2% conversion rate, and they average $50 of revenue per buyer. That I think one thing, and this is, this is I thought, an interesting point, is, is that when you look at which of the levers you can pull, that it's, it's easiest to change and have an impact on a smaller number. And the small number there is your 2% conversion rate, as opposed to trying to attract more traffic, more customers, or immediately increase the dollar per customer and they convert. Yeah, it's um, if you want to get a 50% increase and you've got 20,000 visitors a month, you need to get 10,000 more people to the site. And there's certainly ways of getting 10,000 more visitors to a site. Um, but that could but be a lot. Just, that could be pretty expensive, though. Exactly. Yeah, or um, a big investment of time and energy into an SEO campaign or a social campaign, and it might not be like an immediate increase because those things might take a while to, to build. Right, or if you're scaling your sales team, it's you know, hiring more sales development reps to make outbound calls. Exactly. And with a conversion increase, you could just be, so if you were talking about a website, you might be one change to a better copy, more persuasive words on the page, or maybe a better layout or design. And it's an immediate boost to conversion. So a 50% increase in this case would be 2% to 3%. And then the parallel maybe... Yeah, from 2 to 3% being the 50% increase we're talking about, right? Right, exactly. And then the parallel being if you work and maybe have a better opening salvo or a better script or um, you know whatever it is that is a part of your process of converting your cold calls or your qualified leads or whatever it is that you're doing in your outbound or inside sales um, to get a better conversion increase. It's um, a little bit tougher to measure when you're doing it offline. Um, it can totally be done, but it's, it's funny. Even though everyone, people, are individuals, uh, when you get the law of large numbers and you get people into... Um, just like large quantities, their behavior tends to homogenize. So 
you can see it all the time. I see it all the time anyway with e-commerce websites. With the exception of when they run sales or have special promotions, so long as their website looks exactly the same and performs exactly the same in terms of um, like what they're offering and layout design copy, month after month after month, the conversion rate is eerily similar, even though it's completely different people coming to the site each month. Yeah, I mean it's averaging out over a larger population. And the same thing happens in in you know face to face selling as well, or person to person selling is is the numbers don't have to be huge, but you'll see an averaging effect certainly in terms of conversion rates and and so on. So if we focus on what's that conversion, we talked about that sort of the easiest way, the smallest one. Now we say okay, great. If we focus on sort of the increasing the small number, the one that's sort of easiest to change. Then let's go back and talk then through the example you gave about how that then affords you the ability to drive more traffic to your site. So if you think about it, and we'll use the example of driving traffic to a website, if if you're paying for each visitor, so maybe you're doing Google AdWords or Facebook ads or whatever other source of traffic out there, and you're paying a dollar per click, that's your cost per click. You have a known amount that you're paying, and then there is on the back end, based on your conversion rate and then your average lifetime customer value, there's revenue per click or revenue per visitor. So if you convert 1% of your traffic into a customer and a customer is worth $100 to you, that means your revenue per visitor is a dollar. So your cost per click or cost per visitor is a dollar, as is your revenue. So you're breaking even. Um, and then you, know, you need to decide, is it worth it to break even? Because then now you need to maybe deliver and serve and support a customer, but they could also be a referral source. But mm-hmm. anyway, based, like to just make it simple, you're now able to spend a dollar and you can acquire a customer. Now if you increase your conversion rate to 2% and you keep your economics the same, you're now earning $2 per visitor, and it's now profitable by a margin of 2 to 1 to pay for these clicks at a dollar piece. And so maybe you're getting dollar clicks from Google, but Facebook clicks are a dollar and 50 cents. When you're only converting 1%, you would not be profitable getting traffic from Facebook. But as you grow and increase your conversion rate, as well as improve your economics, your lifetime customer value, your revenue per visitor increases and more and more new traffic sources unlock for you. And as you unlock these new traffic sources, you do two things. One, you increase the the front end flow of visitors or leads and you can acquire more customers, but also you have greater stability. Like one is a very lonely number in business. If you only have one traffic source or one lead source, Especially if it's something that you don't really have ownership or control over. For example, Google can decide to shut down your ads account. Facebook decides to shut down your ads account. Or Google changes their organic algorithm and now all of a sudden all the top first page rankings that you had for your site are now gone. Um, It gives you more uh, variety and strength in numbers to be able to weather um, unfortunate, unforeseen potential things happening to any of your various sources. Right. Oh, and you have a a great analogy that you use in the book is is you invoke um, the great Chet Holmes book, uh, the Ultimate Sales Machine, and saying, okay, well, if, if sales is is a 
I think the quote you have is a precise process that sales reps uniformly take prospects through, then if you've got that set up well online, that is a, a sales rep that every business has. You right. Know, and you want to look at it that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to think about if you think about your website as your online sales rep and you have the most consistent sales rep in the world. It shows, it takes visitors to the exact same process, says the exact same things. Consistent messaging, absolutely, across the board. Yeah. And so, as we said a couple minutes ago, where when you get into large numbers and you average people out, that you're going to hit a pretty consistent conversion rate so long as your website continues delivering the same message over and over to each visitor. And when you make a tweak and improvement to that sequence or that process, you've now lifted that up in perpetuity because the site is going to continue to deliver uh, the message consistently, but now it's a more effective message. Yeah, I mean, gosh, if only sales reps were as easy to uh, to improve. <laughs> yeah, and to be as consistent in their in their performance. Yeah, if I think we're onto something here. If we are able to create that, um, I think we have one hell of a business on our hands. Yeah, well, some people would say the answer is to automate everything in sales, and then you'd have this consistency. But unfortunately, not unfortunately. I mean, fortunately, I think for most salespeople, it's, it's for many, many, many products. It's still a person-to-person transaction that needs to take place. Totally. And I think for a lot of the people who are listening, a lot of your audience, um, they're selling things where it would be very difficult to be able to close a sale with just a website. You need to build that relationship. You need to be able to field very specific, customized objections or questions. And there would really would be difficult to have it in a fully automated way. Yeah, but there are people working on it. I mean, there are... Um, companies that have you know set up processes that have largely taken sales reps out of the equation uh, for relatively complex products. I mean that's it's not perfect by any means, and and you know they're continuing to test and so on. But there certainly are some investors too. I know that that fund uh, startups that have a pretty rigid rule: hey, I'm not going to invest in anything with the sales force. So um, we'll see. I think the jury's still out how that's all going to evolve. But I want to move into the uh, the next and last segment of the show is to talk about uh, some hypothetical questions I pose to all my guests. And I'll start with the first one with you is, is uh, test your sales skills a little bit, is in this hypothetical scenario, you, Stephen, have just been hired as a new sales leader at a company whose sales have stalled out. And CEO is really anxious to get things turned around in a hurry. So what two things could you do your first week on the job that could have the biggest impact? So I would do <laughs> what I pretty much start doing with all my clients, and it's research. So I would go and talk to as many previous and current clients as possible and understand why did, they, why did you choose us over any and all of the other com- competitors. And that includes doing nothing. Um, is an option. And so what was it about our company or the sales rep that you dealt with that made you feel confident that we were going to be the best provider of a solution to you? And then if possible, talk to people who declined to become a customer or client 
and ask them, you know, were there any unanswered questions or what was the objection that you were stuck on that, that made you decide not to go with us? Who did you end up going with or what other people did you consider in your process? And get really clear on what are both the buyers and as well as the non-buyers perceive to be our value proposition or what made us unique and being able to then go in and if there are gaps in our sales process or in our messaging where we don't do as great of a job in as many cases as possible of highlighting that value to to make sure that we do to under to help people understand the the difference between us and our competitors and mm-hmm. why we believe we are superior. Okay. Good answer. So a couple of rapid fire questions. You can give me uh, one word answers or you can elaborate if you wish. The first one is when you, Stephen, are out selling the services of conversion for good. You know, what's, what's your most powerful sales attribute? My most par- powerful mm-hmm. sales attribute mm-hmm. is that we get paid based on results. And we, the for a client to start working with us, they have to pay us um, a payment upfront to get us to start working. But from then on, we only make money after we've hit certain benchmarks of revenue increases proven through their own data and their own analytics. So say, okay, now you've made fifteen thousand dollars more through your website because we won these tests. So you've got fifteen k more than you would wouldn't have had if we didn't do this work for you, and we get paid from that. So we're basically only we're paying for ourselves is really the thing, and we're able to through that structure the agreements. So we're guaranteeing ROI. I mean, I know pretty much every business owner has hired a consultant or a marketing agency where they felt like they got burned or they didn't. The person didn't deliver the results that they wanted. I don't want that to ever be the case with us. I only want to get paid if we're delivering exemplary results for our clients, and so that confidence in our ability to deliver results tends to inspire confidence in others. And I believe that's my best. Um, yeah, confidence. That's how I'd summarize. Okay. Thanks. So what's one book besides your own that every entrepreneur should read? Oh, man, you're asking that to a guy that reads a book a week. Yeah, uh, I know. You should have it ready, right at your fingertips. Well, I want to give like 12. <laughs> uh, right now, what feels really relevant is a book called 80-20 Sales and Marketing by Perry Marshall. Right. Um, it really hones in on the economics portion of the profit hacking formula and really helps you kind of open your eyes to how much more you can serve your current customers and at, at higher levels that will significantly improve your average customer value. Okay. Love it. Uh, last question for you then is, is, and this is always the tough one for people, so what music's on your playlist right now? So I just cashed in on my my Christmas gift from my sister. iTunes card? (laughs) Well, she bought me tickets, me and her tickets to a concert. Oh, okay, okay. So it was the, and it's funny, they're one of my favorite bands, but I don't know how to pronounce their last name. The Avid Brothers? Oh, I love the Avid Brothers. Yeah, um, they were incredible. Aren't they? Um, They were so, so good. Um, but I've also been listening. I've been listening to a lot for, of for people that don't know. It's spelled A V E T T. And if you've not listened to the Avid Brothers, you have to go out and do that. Sort totally. of uh, people they've been labeled uh, the sort of crossover. They're labeled punk grass and uh, extremely entertaining. 
Yeah, I someone asked me the other day how I describe them. I said they were kind of like a mix between indie rock and country is what felt true to me. Yeah, well, that's why I like that description of punk grass. I mean, sort of bluegrass and and uh, rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah very I've good. Heard this term before, but it, it fits. Yeah. Well, cool. What well, did you you enjoyed the show then? They were so good live. Yeah, yeah. I saw them a year. Well, no, not even a year ago, but six months ago, I saw them. In uh, yeah, very very good, very very good, very entertaining. Well, good. Well, Stephen, I appreciate you taking the time to join us. How can people find out more about you? So, conversionforgood.com is the website for my company. Um, the blog has some really great free content on conversion optimization, as well as uh, I just sometimes write just uh, things that I've learned about business or, or life through whatever I've experienced. And then if you type profit hacking into, into Google, you'll find the book on Amazon. Excellent. Well, good. Well, again, thanks again for joining me. And remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And an easy way to do that is to make this podcast, Accelerate, a part of your daily routine. Listen in on your commute, in the gym, or as part of your morning sales meeting. That way you won't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Stephen Dar, who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining me. And until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com. 